Fearless is produced by the Texas Tech Office of Communications and Marketing. It's hosted by me, Taylor Peters, with special help from Allison Hearth. This is a Texas Tech production. From here, it's possible. Ever since I was little, like I was born in Lubbock, so ever since I was little, tech was always kind of my first choice. This is Daniel. We've decided not to use his real name in this podcast. His story is pretty personal. He just started his third year on campus. He's a human development and family sciences major. Said he's always wanted to help people, specifically kids dealing with grief. When COVID closed the campus, Daniel was in his second semester at Tech, just when he was starting to get this whole college thing figured out. Daniel is a polite, friendly, very social young man. He's open to talking about his experiences from COVID too, good and bad. And so it was kind of the perfect choice. I applied other places, but I mean, even if I had gotten accepted at other places, tech was still kind of my my go-to. When he graduated from high school, he was a good student, mostly A's, a few B's, and that carried into his first semester on campus. But Daniel's experience with the pandemic was bad. It was really bad. He struggled and he worried a lot about not being able to work and pay rent, about not being able to keep up with his classes. Something was shifting that he just couldn't quite figure out. He wasn't able to focus, and he couldn't complete many of his assignments. He just couldn't get a handle on it. I was also later um, this year, or earlier this year, diagnosed with uh, pretty severe ADHD. I I am really only able to learn um, when I am physically in class and doing work. I cannot sit and watch a video I cannot sit in my room in a Zoom call. I tried, I really, really tried, because I need to be physically interacting with what we're doing. You see, Daniel is like other students who thrive with in-person classes. He wasn't able to cope with the online course material and not having access to his teachers in the way that he typically would. He needed to find a way to get back on track, but things were not going well. His grades were slipping. In a more clear picture, would you say pre-COVID, were you like an A, B, C student? I was uh, A, B, okay. mostly. And then COVID came, and then what are we looking at? Uh, C, and then low Cs, and then a couple failing, because it was, some of the classes I was in were hard to understand when I was in class, but I, at least I was kind of there, and I, I felt like I was falling and trying to grab onto something, because there was, it, it I felt like I was drowning, basically. Not every student had the same academic experience during the pandemic, but many can relate to Daniel. The transition to stay-at-home orders was a worst-case scenario for so many, and the seemingly endless cycle of not knowing only made existing issues worse. But whatever your experience, the pandemic forced one group on campus into the spotlight. The ones typically behind the curtain, or in this case, the computer, would soon take center stage. This is episode three, Remote Reality. When the campus closed in mid-March, many of us scrambled to figure out how to fulfill our job duties in this new, strange work-from-home life. I know I did. But behind the scenes, it took a village to make that transition possible. And Sam Segrin is the chief, literally. He's been the chief information officer for the IT division for the last 17 years. Scott Hall, you'll hear from him too. 
He's the managing director for IT Help Central. So think of it this way. If there's an issue on your computer and you're part of the Texas Tech campus community, you will want to talk to someone on Scott's team. Listen, I'll be the first to admit that before we sat down with Scott and Sam, I way underestimated how involved this department is and how busy they are. In fact, periodically when Sam is talking, you'll hear his phone on the table next to us. He is almost constantly fielding calls and emails from someone needing his expertise. I want to make a, a note. You're on call all the time. Like yes. Your job doesn't end because it's a weekend. No. You're working from home. Can we talk about that for just a sure. second? Sure. IT services is uh, uh, 24 by 7, 365. And I think Scott will tell you, I'll take a call from anyone, any day, any time. It doesn't matter. Uh, whether I'm cruising in Alaska, I'm in Hawaii, on vacation with my wife, uh, I'm always taking calls. I never put an out-of-office uh, reply on my email because, uh, to me, I love this university. We all do. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. IT has its hands in almost every operation on campus. What they do, the services they provide, are essential. And nothing revealed our dependence on them quite like COVID. So many collaborations between us and operations, between us and student financial aid, us and dean of students, us and student health. Sam actually remembers taking part in a pandemic training about 13 years and, ago. And it was a tabletop exercise as to what would happen. What really happened was nowhere close to what we thought might happen during that time. Everything we were coming up as we went. Uh, early information was very, very helpful. And, and one of the things that... Uh, There's his phone again. It was nothing like any of us could have prepared for. But despite that, they made it work. They contacted the colleges and other areas on campus to find out who needed equipment to continue working or taking classes from home. Things like laptops and hotspots. And finding those items proved to be a tall order. Friendship ISD actually came to our rescue. They had purchased a large number of systems to upgrade their uh, classrooms. There were 300 laptops and IT got involved with Dell to get those computers. Now, I want to be clear here, they were not being used by Friendship ISD students at that time. We did something that hasn't been done before. I called Dell, we called Friendship, we called our procurement folks, and I asked if Friendship could sell it back to Dell and Dell will turn around and sell it to us. And so they made all that magic happen behind the scene by phone calls and emails. Scott had the task of getting those computers in the hands of Texas Tech students in a contactless way. Those laptops that we obtained, um, we had to image all those. So imaging th 300 laptops, um, it took a while. All the equipment we had to inventory to make sure that when we gave it out, we'd have we'd get it back. We had to develop some sort of method to give it to them physically. Um, that was very challenging, especially the distribution part of it, to make sure that we had um, our staff were safe and the customer was safe. They prioritized getting students internet too, and they had to be creative with how they did it. Working with AT&T to get cell phones to work as mobile hotspots at a time when they were in high demand. And their efforts extended beyond education. As the university expanded its work, the IT division proved even more valuable. Uh, we got called by for help because they were doing the early testing in the state of Texas, but they needed help. Just to connect the dots here, he's talking about TI, spelled T-I-E-H-H. It's the Institute of Environmental and Human Health, the biothreat research lab that we talked about in episode one. You remember Steve Presley. Right now, she's just now taking samples in. It's all part of TI. 
we were involved in helping with that. Dr. Kathy Austin and team helped me with that one. Jeff Barrington and security team helped with all the security pieces because this is PHI data. This was highly sensitive data. The personal health information of those COVID-19 samples being tested needed to be protected. And it just so happened, a year before the pandemic, more than a dozen employees took part in a training specifically on handling medical data. Instead of training three or four people in security for handling uh, HIPAA data, uh, I went ahead, brought the trainer in, and 16 of us went through the training. So when the time came, we had 16 people knowledgeable in how to handle medical data. And so that wasn't planned for, but it just happened. So that was, that was serendipitous for us in how those things happened. There were so many people connected to and involved in every decision, every action made by the university. Sam says he'll never forget watching how we all came together. And the resilience of our own staff who stepped up, nobody complained. Anything I asked, they did. It goes without saying, they did a lot, and they do a lot. And in so many cases, their work made all the difference for faculty, for staff, and for students. And then, well, shoot, I've been in the provost office now over 10 years, I think. And when it comes to student success, there are few people on campus more dedicated to it than this man. Okay, my name is Patrick Hughes, and my title is Vice Provost for University Programs and Student Success. Patrick's work within the university is geared toward understanding what makes students succeed in the classroom and beyond. He is committed to learning what creates a quote-unquote successful student experience and how the university can better provide that. He keeps track of retention rates, GPA, and enrollment. COVID impacted every, every corner of campus. He has a lot of responsibilities on campus. I teach uh, communication and personal relationships and okay. communication in higher ed. I teach just about anything the department asks me to teach. He's also a professor in the College of Media and Communication. His area of expertise is interpersonal communication. He has written extensively about this topic. You see, that's the other reason that I wanted to speak with him. What exactly is interpersonal communication, and why does it matter in the classroom? You know, two different kinds of information that is communicated in any interpersonal relationship, and those are messages of content. So in this case, maybe knowledge of a particular field or technical information. He goes on to talk about different kinds of information and how it's shared. Uh, in, in a lot of cases, a kind of creativity uh, that certain kinds of technology used to distribute uh, course content isn't as good at facilitating. Um, Studies show that students often learn better in a hybrid setting, where technology and interpersonal communication is intertwined. And COVID validated that. Maybe one of the most important numbers that Patrick deals with is graduation rates. He wanted to know what percentage of Red Raiders would still complete their degree plans as scheduled. Prior to COVID, he says the six-year graduation rate was 61%. At the time this podcast was recorded, it was up to 63.3%. And the four-year rate went up too, from 38 really to 41%. Results results. We've been growing in all of these metrics over the last six years. And we were concerned because that is not the story nationwide. The story nationwide among our, among other four years, uh, four-year universities and colleges is, um, uh, is a story of attrition and losing students. And we were able to not just maintain our enrollment levels, but grow or increase or improve over last year's outcomes. And what about grade point averages? There, there, there hasn't been a lot of variation. Um, in, in, in GPA uh, from pre-pandemic to 
um, uh, in the middle of the pandemic and now afterwards. Uh, this was not the case for every student. But Patrick's information reveals that the pass rates weren't impacted, good or bad, when the classes moved online. All of this was encouraging for Patrick. It showed that both students and faculty were able to adapt, that they didn't just survive it. Many were better because of it. Professors were pivoting. For many, the move online meant a lot of time and patience. University President Lawrence Skuvenek felt for his faculty. As someone who used to teach, he was right there with him. His wife, Patty, is an instructor and advisor in the math department. She was having to adapt, too. And it was hard. I don't know that everybody would realize how much effort that took. I watched my wife back in the spring. She was on that computer from the moment she got up till she went to sleep. She was committed to helping students get through. They all were. Some just needed a bit more help than others. And that's where Holly Baker comes in. The video production lab is nestled among offices on the first floor of Drain Hall. That's where we met with Holly. She is enthusiastic and clearly passionate about her work. And what she does is pretty neat. We're available for all professors. We help people completely take entire programs that are face-to-face -face and move them to a 100% online delivery. There are several different ways that she does this. Some professors use a green screen. Tips. In a flash, I'm your host, Sava Kola. Some were filmed on site. She showed me one video introducing Biology 1401, plant biology. A professor with shoulder-length blonde hair comes on the screen in protective eyewear and a white lab coat, welcoming the viewer to Lab 7. Welcome to Lab 7. The video goes on to show soil, sun, different plants, and different environments. She's teaching about photosynthesis and respiration. This one is short. It's only about two and a half minutes long, but it's effective. Holly produced this video. She made it available for the professor to share with her students. Others chose something called the learning glass, and I got to see this in person. It's exactly what it sounds like. The instructor stands between a black curtain and a huge window. The camera films through the glass, and you can use markers to draw or demonstrate. It's really, really cool. We started having some um, professors who had intense like math or physics lectures, and it was uncertain of how we could translate that online, and they weren't comfortable with Zoom, so we brought them in here. We opened up the lab and brought them in here. The lab had only been open for about two weeks when the campus shut down. So she barely had time to get the word out about what could be done in this space. About between 8 and 12 professors come in. Um, typically they would be larger projects. It wouldn't be one professor, one video. I'd have one professor come in and we'd do 20 videos together. She says they didn't just survive the transition. They thrived. In fact, she produced content for someone who received a Teacher of the Year Award for his work during the pandemic. And he talked about using the board and the help that Holly provided. She's really proud of that. She should be. She empowered those professors to connect with students, to go the extra mile. More than anything, the, the theme that emerged for me out of COVID is, yes, we can. The truth is, is yes, we can. We, we did it. We didn't just do it. We did it well. Research on campus also persisted, even under these unusual circumstances. And the result? Let's just say the numbers were good. They were better than good, actually. I'm Joe Heppert. I'm Vice President for Research and Innovation at Texas Tech University. When we asked Joe Heppert to explain what goes into that, it took him four whole minutes. So safe to say a couple of responsibilities. Huh? Joe was candid when we talked to him. 
He was vulnerable. One, one of the things that stood out to me was even, even through the pandemic, life went on. His eyes got misty a couple of times in the 45-minute conversation. Like when he talked about his colleague who lost her husband during the pandemic. Or when he brings up his youngest daughter, who delayed her wedding for eight months. She finally married her now husband in a small backyard ceremony in California. The good things and the bad things. I truly think the experience really brought us an understanding, a better understanding of what things are really important in life. While the country had pivoted to working from home, under Joe's leadership, the priorities didn't change. The right. work One didn't stop. And in some cases, is, it couldn't. You know, we have these contracts with the federal government and sometimes with private sector sponsors and, and even philanthropic sponsors to conduct research as an institution. And we all realized, not knowing the characteristics of this virus, um, that we were going to have to move off campus for a while. And that, that meant that some of the research was going to have to shut down for a period of time. We had a few projects on campus that were of a highly sensitive nature, um, that, that where the federal sponsors really expected us to follow through and, and finish on the project on time. So they had to adapt. They developed an application process to figure out which research projects could continue in person. They also developed protocols for individuals in lab spaces. One time, I think we probably had 40 or 50 people still in laboratories on campus. They took extra caution and it paid off. There were, there were, we were so surprised. There was, there were extremely few cases that, that occurred among researchers who were still on campus. I was interested in what types of research projects did continue. Joe says about 20 projects remained active from March to May in 2020 some here in Lubbock and others across the state at remote field sites. Some were seasonal. They had to be conducted at that specific time of the year. Some included experimental animals. Some were even funded by the Department of Defense. These were time-sensitive, highly expensive projects that could have been compromised if they were to stop. It could have wasted money, time, and research efforts that were irreplaceable. Well, that's a very interesting phenomenon. When it came to research funding, Joe found that when it mattered and where it mattered in grant proposals, his department was thriving. Texas Tech submitted the highest number of uh, external proposals that we have ever done. By the end of the year, we were up by over 10% in overall proposal submissions. We had the largest uh, year ever in terms of overall proposals uh, funded, and the largest year in terms of federal awards for Texas Tech. So it was, it was really uh, an amazing observation during that period. The fact that despite COVID, the university was able to secure more research grants, more federal awards, that was surprising. He also made it a point to mention something else, something that caught my attention. There's data and been a number of studies that have shown that female faculty uh, presumably because they, they were, became more engaged uh, immediately as schools shut down with, you know, caring for children and, and, and helping facilitate online education, that they have may, may have been disproportionately impacted by this whole experience. The New York Times did an entire series about this. It's called The Primal Screamline. It says that 69% of mothers say they suffered from negative health effects due to worry and stress related to the pandemic. 
working full-time from home, being a businesswoman, a mother, a teacher, a tutor, cooking and cleaning seemed impossible. There are hardly enough hours in the day to get it all done. But the faculty at Texas Tech, including those raising children, they figured it out, despite the fact that the pandemic changed the way they had to do it. Elisa Wong's office is a short walk from the administration building. She's on the second floor of the Honors College. We showed up a few minutes early, but she was waiting for us and welcomed us in. And I was complaining there was no spring break, and then all of a sudden, like, it's commencement. Her office is modern and stylish. It smells like clean linen and fresh flowers. She makes you feel at home. I love my staff, and my staff have been wonderful, right, because they have been with us every step of the way. When I ask for her official title, she talks about how she started here at Texas Tech how long she spent in each position, about her studies of modern Italian history in the Mediterranean. She talks lovingly about Texas Tech. You can't help but feel it sitting across the table. She is articulate, and in the spring of 2020, she was very much focused on getting the facts about COVID. Epidemiologists had been warning us, right, for centuries now that this was going to happen, right? That we had controlled it for such a long time, but this was, this was on the horizon. And when you get her talking about her students, you may be there for a while. And what I mean by that is that her passion for teaching, her relationships with her students, they matter. I had already warned my students um, that I was teaching before they left for spring break to take everything with them, right? Anything that you need, anything that you love, take it with you because I don't know that we will be returning to campus. She didn't want to worry anyone, but she had to make sure they realized that the threat was real. As I was telling my students in my Summit Experience course, I was telling them, it's going to come here. Right? This is, this is no joke. Um, the pandemic was bad in 1917, right after the First World War. Well, it was right during, during the First World War. Food shortages, extreme cold, right? But, but we didn't have the kind of confluence of travel and communication that we do now. She was thinking about her students like she was thinking about her own son. He's a 2020 graduate of Lubbock High. Right. I am inspired by them in every way. And it is my hope, as it was Michael San Francisco's hope, and it is as it is like many of my faculty colleagues' hope, that our students surpass us, right? That they are better than us, that they do more than us. And I think if this pandemic has proved anything is that they, they have. In a completely different way, students fuel the livelihood of Michael Klinsman. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we, for the most part, live and die by uh, the Texas Tech students. Particularly when it comes to their nightlife routines. He is not a Texas Tech professor, and he's not on staff. His three businesses are within half a square mile of each other, just a few steps from Memorial Circle. He and his wife own three college bars on Broadway. It's what I know, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I feel very, very fortunate. I don't know how I ended up right across from the university, but uh, I'm very blessed for sure. The doors to all three closed after COVID hit. It was hard to just walk around three empty businesses day after day after day after day and, and, and lock the door up when you leave and it just sit like that. It was scary and sad. That's next time on Fearless. Fearless is a Texas Tech production. From here, it's possible.
Hey everyone, it's Taylor. Thanks so much for listening to Fearless. Don't forget to like, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast.